Hey, so today we're going we're gonna to finish our Christ at the Center Advent series. And all, all, all month we've been kind of, in my mind, coming to this point. We've, we've looked at how Jesus um, is sort of the hero of the whole redemptive storyline. The whole Bible points to him. All the promises, all of the prophets, that he is the long-hoped-for Messiah of Israel, the King of the Nations. And um, this, this Sunday, I'm really excited. It's a little bit playful, so I hope you're ready to just have fun with me. Um, the idea that tipped off this series was when I was praying and prepping for Advent, I began to think about all of the characters around the Jesus story. Why don't you just holler at me some of those characters around the Jesus birth narrative? Go. Angels. Shepherds. Wise men. Precisely. Joseph's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I, I began to think about what do all these characters around Christ at the center, what do they have to teach us about the kind of community that still finds itself oriented around Jesus? You know what that community is called? The church. What are these characters and their qualities and characteristics? How can they make their way into our lives? What can we learn from the stories around the story? Turn to your neighbor and say, what can we learn from the stories around the story, around the king? You already said it, Mary and Joseph and wise men and shepherds and angels and Simeon and Anna. What can we learn about these characters? So we're going to start with first, she's kind of a big deal, Mary. Everybody say Mary. What did Mary carry? that we can be inspired, encouraged, provoked to believe for it, to be functioning in our lives. Well, the Bible says that she was humble. Did you know that in the Bible, the God, God says there's only one category of people that he actually actively opposes? The proud. So Mary was humble. She's pure. Mary possessed an, a, a spirit that says, God... I don't know how it's going to happen, but whatever you say, I'm good for. Come on, how many can just think of someone in their mind right now that, man, when I'm around them, they're, like, they, they're humble. It's never about them. Raise your hand if you can think of somebody. Ready and willing to do anything kind of community. Number two, she, she represents something that so many of us can strive to attain with all of our energy and effort, but how many know you cannot earn the favor of God? He gives it. He gives. She, the Bible says that she had, she, humble servant, you have favor with God. How many want to be a part of community that walks in the favor of God? That it's not about what we bring to the end of the table. It's just that God, he's pouring out his grace and his favor because he's just good and he loves us. What else? Like I said, how many want to be a part of a church community where anything is possible? I mean, the virgin birth, kind of a big deal. She's all, Jesus, I mean, angel, the angel that came to her, how's this going to happen? But anything is possible for the one who believes. That's the great one-liner over Mary's life. What also I like this is, is in the church, how many know that grumpiness is not a spiritual fruit? Or somber, 
that doesn't mean there's not a time for mourning and repentant. None of that. It doesn't mean that that doesn't. But I also think of the anything is possible as a playful, childlike spirit. She, for all, no doubt, she's like, she's like a teenager. There's a playful, adventure spirit. God, I don't, I've never known a man. I don't know how that's going to happen, but anything is possible if you say it is. Come on, how many, how many want to rediscover a playful, anything is possible spirit in the house? And then ultimately, the Bible calls her maybe, maybe her highest accolade in Luke 1. She's a servant of the Lord. Like, it's not about me. Say that with me. It's not about me. He invites me to participate, but it's not about me. Mary had a servant of the Lord mentality. And here's the great verse that really describes this. And then she's relying upon God's word. Read this with me. Let it be to me according to your word. Luke 1.38. Let it be to me according to your word. How many could say we could learn something from Mary today? Humility, a playful spirit, anything is possible. I'm God's servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Who's next up? We got my man Joseph. Oh, we all need a Joseph in the house. Can I get an amen? One who walks in righteousness. One who doesn't cut corners. Come on, how many have ever gotten burned when you cut a corner? When you thought there was a shorter distance between A to C than B? How many have ever, how did that pan out for you? We need righteousness in the community that's around Christ. Those who don't budge from what is true and right. Who don't bend the rules or the truth to fit their own preferences or priorities. We need people. What else did Joseph walk in? He was faithful through it all. Did you know what would have happened if he takes this woman that he's engaged to be married into his to be married, but she's pregnant. Do you know what kind of stigma? Do you know, come on, how many know we need a community where we stick it out together, even in our mess, when it could cost us personally of our reputation? He, he, he was faithful to Mary and to the call of God above the fear of man. He didn't bow to what others would think. Oh, well, they must have sinned. They must have done something foolish before they were married. But Joseph, he's faithful through it all. He listens to God at all costs. We need more righteous men and women like Joseph who realize that the story is bigger than themselves, but that you have a part to play in that story. I shared it last year during Advent. No pressure if you don't remember. If Joseph doesn't take Mary as her wife, he does, Jesus does not get grafted into the Davidic storyline. Joseph, it's not about him, but he's needed. In the same way, it's not about you and it's not about me, but together we form a bigger whole, a greater story. We need to learn from Joseph, where we listen to God, we fear God over what others think, our neighbor, what it might cost us to stick around. Without Joseph, we won't make it. Our stories are so often dependent upon the faithfulness of those around us. Come on, how many have experienced a, a, a season or extended season of unfaithfulness? Is you're, you're, you're out of whack, your life, and, but someone else's faithfulness, someone else's righteousness, they stepped in the gap. They didn't fudge when you were floundering. They stuck it out, but they're choosing to walk in the path that God had for them is actually making a way for you to make it. 
This is Joseph. I don't care what it costs me. The angel comes. Take her as your wife. What's conceived in the woman is of the Holy Spirit. And this is the great verse. Read it together with me. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. A community that obeys the word of the Lord. Who do we see next? I love it. We're cruising. The wise men. We all need in the community around Christ wise men and women. How many would agree that wisdom is at an all-time necessity, all-time high? How to operate, how to live, how to be healthy, how to be whole, how to steward your life according to God's kingdom principles and purposes and the power of his spirit. We need wise men and women. But you know what the wise men show us about the story around Jesus? Is that we need to be surrounded by God seekers. Did you know these magi didn't necessarily know what they were looking for, but they were seeking? How many know right now someone in your life, they may not be able to name it, but they're seeking? Raise your hand. They're for meaning, for purpose, for, 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 for a sense of belonging, something to live for, to give their life to. The wise men provoke us that God honors those who seek. What does the Bible say in Jeremiah 29? 11 through 13, if you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me. We need those in the community around Christ to live a seeker lifestyle. Those who remind us that there's more than meets the eye. Lift your gaze and perspective. The Reisman remind us that we as the church community must always make room in the church for those who are on the journey of seeking. Come on, how many just found him on your first pass? How many, how many went on a little bit of a journey when you, before you found Jesus? And I love this. I love this. Read this with me. This is the Magi. Where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? Where is he? We're, we're seeking. We saw this. We're stargazers. We're not, we don't even belong in the story, but God put this thing in every human heart to seek after him. Acts 17, 24 through 31. In every nation and language, he's put a seeker orientation in the heart of man and woman. Where is the one? The wise men and women remind us that we must be willing to go on the journey with others, even when it takes them longer than we think it should take them. Say it with me. People are on a journey. People are on a journey. The wise men remind us that God is faithful to meet the seeker. He's faithful. He's faithful to meet these guys, these stargazers, to communicate in a way they can understand to reveal the reality of Jesus to their heart. Amen. Wisdom and discernment and eternal perspective. Who do we find next? The heavenly host or the angels? How many, how many think angels are pretty cool? We don't really talk about them much in the church ever, but they're kind of important in the biblical storyline. We all need, we need angels. The angels. How many know that there are more angels than demons? Praise the Lord. That's a good thing, I think, personally. 
It was the angels. If, even if all you had was the birth narrative of Jesus, you would be shocked to find how central and important the ministry of angels are to the story of Jesus. Who shows up to Mary to announce that she's going to have a baby? Who shows up to Joseph not to divorce his betrothed wife? Who shows up to the shepherds? We're going to them next when they're tending their... We need to understand that we're not just a normal community. This is a supernatural community founded upon Christ, empowered by the Spirit. There are dimensions to reality you can't see with your natural eye. Angels. They're all around us. They're all around us. Jesus comes right out and says about angels in Matthew 18.10, when he says, don't cause little ones to stumble. See that you do not cause one of these little ones to stumble. I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. You've heard of the the phrase guardian angel. Well, Jesus seems to be saying in Matthew 18 that each person has an assigned messenger. That's kind of cool. And the Christmas story reminds us as the community around Jesus, the church, that there is more happening than we can see with our eyes. Angels, are, they're, not the, they're not the point. They point to the point. They're messengers. It's never about them. But we know throughout Scripture, read this. Here's the great one-liner of the angelic hosts. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth. Peace to those on whom his favor rests. Angels have a ministry to push back darkness. If you read the book of Daniel especially, you'll see this this cosmic epic struggle in the heavenly realms where the angels of light push back darkness. How many are thankful for their ministry, even though you can't see them or even name them? I I love the, the, the book of Revelation and the account of the angels in ceaseless worship. So in a way, the angels provoke us to keep our eyes on the one who sits on the throne. They point us to worship. And ultimately, they remind us that there is a bigger perspective than human perspective. There's a heavenly realm and heavenly perspective. How many think we need this functioning in the church? Realizing that it's bigger than us. It's the story transcends this. It's bigger. It's higher. And it's real. Paul says that which we cannot see is more real than what we can see. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. The eternal unseen realm. How many know one day that, that layer between the, the eternal and the temporal, the visible, and it, it's going to be vanquished and overcome, and we're going we're gonna to be a part of this glorious future to see angels and the glory of the dimension we cannot see. So the angels remind us that there's more to the story. There's more happening behind the scenes, and I'm saying that is a good thing. How many need someone to fight for them on occasion, even when you don't know that you're in a battle? Come on. We see throughout the scriptures over and over that the angels have a a ministry of warning and delivering God's message. We need the heavenly host not for salvation, but for help along the journey of salvation. Very clearly, just read Hebrews chapter 1. Christ is superior to the angels. Amen. Heavenly host. Say heavenly host. Man, we're doing so fast. We're already almost done. Who do we have next? The Shepherds. Who thinks that we need shepherds in the house of God? We need shepherds. Why did I say up and out? Because how many know it's not enough? If you're just a shepherd that's always going to people's needs, eventually you're going to get weary and and, and tired. 
How many have ever tried to take care of the world in your own? So we need shepherds who live in up and out. So they look up, they get restored, they get God's perspective. They don't just, they don't just address need to need and, oh, oh. They get what does God think about the situation and they deliver his heart to those they're meant to care for. We need shepherds with an up and out lifestyle. Up on the Lord and out for the sake of others. I love it that they weren't so attached to their sheep that they were able to receive the message that the angels had for them. Can you imagine, sorry, in Luke 2, sorry angels, this sheep, I gotta, can you imagine if their preoccupation with the immediate was trumped by what God was trying to communicate in the heavenlies? This is the up and out. God, what are you saying? How can I minister and serve? We need shepherds. We need shepherds who walk in a spirit of care and concern. You know, one of the greatest shepherds in this room, well, maybe he's not in this room because he's probably serving somewhere, is Pastor Ken. He's one of the greatest shepherds I've ever met in my life. Ministry all over the country, all over the world. I've been everywhere. We call him our care pastor. It should be all caps care. He walks with a a desire to look for for the needs of the others like no one else I've met. We need shepherds. How many think we need that happening in the family of God, in the community with Christ at its center? Those who are called to, to care and to, to give concern and compassion to others. And what else do we find about the shepherds? They were storytellers. When they went and the angels told them about the, the baby that was born, and if you follow this road and you'll get there and you'll see him, they came back and they began to tell the story of Jesus. They were storytellers. How many know we need storytellers How many know that we all live out of a story 24-7, 365, and the shepherds that God wants to bless and raise up are those who will point us to the true story, the story that revolves around Jesus. And I love this about the shepherds. It says this, this because their story, read it with me. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. So they had a grace to communicate, to share what was on God's heart. It caused rejoicing. And those who heard. Someone once said it that we all need a Paul, which represents a mentor or spiritual father. We all need a Barnabas, which represents a friend or a companion along the way. And we all need a Timothy, a son or a daughter that we're actively pouring into and raising up. A Paul, Barnabas, and a Timothy. And I love this. The last point about shepherds is that everywhere they went when they told the story, joy broke out. This is why we need shepherds. We need storytellers, those who will tell us the true story of the good news of Jesus. The good news of Jesus produces joy in the heart of humanity. We were made for the good news of Jesus. Amen. The last bunch of characters are probably my favorite. Maybe you'll resonate with them this morning. In Luke's gospel, chapter 2, after Jesus is eight days old and Mary and Joseph bring him to the temple to perform the ceremonial rites and regulations. We meet two characters named Simeon and Anna. What are these two? We'll call them seasoned. In the Christmas story, what do they have to teach us with Christ at the center? Number one, that we serve a generational God. Amen. We live in a youth-obsessed culture. 
We tr- and in that obsessed culture with youthfulness, we often cut ourselves off from the primary way God wants to transmit his blessing and purpose from one generation to the other. God is a generation to generation to generation God. So you may be a Simeon and Anna, and you're needed. It's in the Jesus story, the, the Advent story, and it has implications for today. You may think, my days are done. Culture's going so fast. I'm just, I'm just a fixture here. No, you are needed. God is a generation to generation God. He wants the blessing of his kingdom and his covenant to hit a thousand generations. What else do they teach us? Oh, I love this one. We find it in Simeon that he was a guardian of the promise. Have you ever met an older person that was just stubborn? Don't say yes. Say yes. How many know that there is a a good Jesus stubborn and then there's a grumpy bad stubborn? Know the difference. Simeon had a promise from the Holy Spirit. You will see the salvation of God, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of the people of Israel before you die. Friends, there are those of you who will fall under the Simeon and Anna category here this morning, and God gave you a promise 40 years ago. Don't give up on the promise. We need a generation of those who go before us in our 20s, 30s, 40s, and even younger to hold on to the promise, to contend for the blessing of God, to hit your generation, the generations that are coming up. Simeon was a guardian of the promise. Can you imagine the scene receiving a promise that you were going to hold God's salvation in your hands? And then when you finally held the baby, what that must have done. There was a righteous, devout man, the Bible says. The Holy Spirit rested on him. Friends, we need the Spirit of God resting upon us. It was revealed by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he saw the Messiah. So when he took him in his arms, what else did he do? Not only did he guard and contend for the promise of his generation. Read it with me. Sovereign Lord, as you've promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation. What else? After he saw the promise, he released the blessing. Come on, someone say that. You got to see the promise to release the blessing. I saw the promise And God used this man to bless the mother of our Lord Jesus Christ and Father. He took the baby in his arms and blessed him. And then he turned to Mary. And this is why we need you, Simeons and Annas, in this congregation. As he looked to Mary and he told her the truth. That doesn't mean we need people just to be downers and Debbie Downers, but those who say, you know what, life is a journey and it's tough, but he's faithful to stick stick it. He's faithful to stick by you through it all. Simeon looks at Mary, he doesn't sugarcoat what this boy of hers is going to cause. He's going to cause joy in many, but it's going to pierce your heart because he's going to be rejected. Friends, we need a generation where truth is pushed on the back end for sale aisle that no one gets to in the store. We need Simeon's and Anna's to tell the truth to a generation. And she looked at Mary. He looked at Mary and said, this child's going to cause many to fall and many will rise. 
This will be a sign, and he's going to be opposed. He did it after the blessing. Come on, someone say, after the blessing. <laughs> after, his okay, because it's not just, hey, we need old people to tell young people how hard and you need to get in the truth. No, God has a blessing and a purpose and a promise and a plan. It's tough. That's the truth. Don't quit. He told the truth to the couple, especially to Mary. A sword is going to pierce your soul, too. I love it. There's one more character. Anna, the one on the right. These are all accurate. I found these in first century. Dug up. I dug them up in archaeology. Clip art. I'll just read it. It's three verses about Anna and why we need Annas and Simeons in our community. There was a prophet named Anna from the tribe of Asher, she was, a great, she was of a great age. I don't know how old you have to be to be of a great age. Great age. Having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple but worshiped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment, at what moment? When Jesus is being blessed by Simeon and she walks in. And she began to praise God and speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. We need Simeons and Annas, generational, guardians of the promise, releasers of the blessing, those who tell us the truth, that it's tough, but he's faithful, that he's with us. And Anna provokes all of us, whatever your age, to pursue God with prayer and fasting. A lifestyle of pressing in, contending, and never giving up until God fulfills his promise. What if instead of growing bitter and cynical, riding off into the proverbial sunset, God doused your spirit with faith, baptized you with fresh love for his word and for his people and purposes, and you could give the back end of your life to pressing in prayer and fasting until God's purposes are fulfilled today. Not a lot of amens, but it's an option. It's an option that's in the Bible. And this is what it said about Anna. Read it with me. She never left the temple, but she worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. You guys think I'm long-winded. Imagine being in the temple for 70 years, 60 years, whatever it is. So what's the point? What's so breathtaking about this whole story, I just gave the whole birth narrative from every gospel that gave us one in like 25 minutes. That was awesome. But here's the one-liner that I want to land the plane on. In light of this story that has Christ at its center and all of these characters, the stories around the story and what they carry, their qualities and what they can show us and provide as example and to emulate and to imitate, what I want to say today on the authority of God's words is that word that we all have a place to belong, a part to play, and a purpose to fulfill. Did you know that God wants you in on his story? We all have a place to belong. I didn't have time to say that the Magi had no right to be in Jesus' presence. They're filthy Gentiles. Shepherds, lowest part of culture. They're, 
30. You understand the whole point of the gospel is those who get close to the center don't deserve to be there. That's why it's the good news. <laughs> you think, I don't have a place to belong. My history, my story, I'm too messed up or jacked up. I, I, no, you have a place to belong in the story because of those who are in the story provoke us to believe there's a place for me. Life is a sacred journey with many ups and many downs, but the key is to be present to what he has before you right here and right now. I hope you feel provoked to believe by listening to these silly little clip art stories, the gospel stories of Jesus' first coming, that you too have a place to belong. I hope you don't think that your place is occupied by somebody else. There's room for you. There's room for you in the kingdom of God. There's room for you in the family of God. There is a place to belong. What else do we find? You have a part to play. I love, um, you know, sort of the great example. I, I, I don't often go to orchestra. I don't know why. I really enjoy classical music and can appreciate the musicianship, but has anyone ever been early enough where you hear the instruments all like tuning and raise your hand if you've experienced that. Just YouTube it. An orchestra preparing. When everyone does their own part without tuning in to the other parts of the other players and the people that belong, it's just chaos and a mess. Amen. But when you and I get revelation of our part to play, what happens when the conductor grabs his stick and and when the violins play the trill, thrill, you know, that little, whatever that's called classically, the cellos and the basses, and you know there's some guy playing a cowbell in the back. (laughs) But when we understand that we have a part You don't have to play every part, but you can play your part. And when you bring that to the company, the community that surrounds Jesus, it's beautiful. It's like an orchestra. You have a part to play. And then lastly, you have a purpose to fulfill. This is the tough one. This is long-haul stuff. How many have ever started but stopped because it got too hard? The story provokes us that we're not done until our purpose is fulfilled. We need a community of people that will say, don't quit. He promised he's faithful. Stay in the game. Stay in the story. You have a purpose to fulfill. You have a purpose to fulfill. Even when no one is looking and you don't get the applause or the accolades, There's one who is totally aware of the place that you are occupying, the part that you are playing, and the purpose you are fulfilling. And he, even if no one else, delights over your faithfulness. You belong, you matter, and you are necessary for the unfolding of God's great epic story. Because like we've been saying for four weeks, Advent doesn't just cause us to look back, it causes us to look forward. How many know Christ is coming? And if we can learn from the community that surrounded him, then maybe it can shape, form, fashion, and fill us for the community that will welcome him at his second advent. 
shepherds, the angelic hosts. You get the point, the magi, seekers, and Simeon, Anna, blessing. You see all righteousness, Joseph, Mary, anything is possible. Let it be according. This is the community that welcomed him and will welcome him. There was, there was, I was looking for that. That was the end. That's the line. That's what these characters, this story with Christ at the center has to teach us. Lastly, and we're done. What do all these characters have in common? They all pointed away from themselves. They all served a greater purpose within their unique individual purpose. All roads were leading to Jesus. From the angels' announcements to the Magi's journey to the shepherds' storytelling to Mary conceiving, conceived of the Spirit, to Joseph bearing the stigma and onslaught of his community to stand with the woman so that Jesus could be grafted into the Davidic royal line. They all pointed away from themselves. Those that we haven't mentioned in the story, because there's other characters in the Advent story, those are the ones who were grabbing for power, prestige, a platform, position, like Herod, like the religious leaders who bought their way into their position. We don't read or talk about them today. I've been in the church long enough, and I've committed enough of these sins to know that usually the story gets off track when I'm grabbing for a position, for a platform, for power, or for my own applause. I learned from the first story that that always infects the story of God and the people of God. This is why Jesus, the one to whom all of the characters point, central to his invitation is to deny yourself, carry your cross, and follow me. It's in laying your life down you actually find it. Most, if not all, of our problems in here, whether it's this spiritual family or your biological nuclear family, come when we grasp and grab, when we hoard, white-knuckle, possess, when we put the spotlight on us. How many have ever committed any of those sins besides me? But we're not talking about that story today. We're talking about the story that all of them were pointing to, the king. That's the story Jesus invites us into today. Who wants to jump in to find yourself in this epic story? There's one more character. I would not be a faithful gospel preacher. In the Advent story, we failed to mention. We all need Jesus. Sorry. It's a, I know he's not a baby. I know he's not a baby, but I'm just trying to go with the playful motif. And I'm only using descriptions of Jesus in the Advent narrative, Matthew 1 and 2, Luke 1 and 2. These are what we get just from those four chapters. Jesus was prophesied to be our Savior from sin. (laughs) Amen. Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus was prophesied by Zechariah that he would be the rescuer from the enemy. And this is rapid fire. He's the king, the ruler, and the shepherd. And then lastly, just from those two, four stories, four chapters, he's called the glory of Israel. 
So yeah, we all have a part to play. But you want to know who makes sense out of all the random parts and places and the one at the center. When you and I, like Mary, whatever you say according to your word, let it be done. Like Joseph, when he woke, I'll obey what you say. Like the Magi, when they saw the star, they went on a journey and would not be detoured, even when Herod tried to hijack the story. Like the angel, uh, like the angels who announce glad tidings and glory and salvation and peace and favor on those who will welcome and trust the Messiah, Jesus. Like the shepherds who drop what they're doing and they find the one that they've been told about. Like Simeon and Anna who contended for the blessing, for the promise that didn't grow weary, didn't quit, released the generational blessing until they saw salvation with their eyes. All of these characters point to Jesus. So maybe you're here today and your life is riddled by sin, by remorse, by regret. He's your savior today. Maybe you, like me, have been in a season where you've gone through varying levels of loneliness or isolation. He's Emmanuel today. He's with you. You're not alone. Maybe you're here today and the tide keeps rising and you hope that help is coming. He's your rescuer from the enemy today. Your shepherd, your ruler, your king. So I just want to pause and if you just want to receive and welcome his, just his name, his nature, who he is. Just open your heart right now, and your, your mind, and just say, I, I want you, G. I need you. I, I have a part to play in the story, but you're the one that makes sense of the story. You're the one it all points to. So God, would you come by the power of Jesus and save us from our sin today? Would you come and by the Holy Spirit, be present with your people today. Would you come and rescue us from the enemy and those things that seem so dark, despairing, hopeless and helpless, would you come from above and rescue your people? God, would you be our king and our ruler and our shepherd? And would we experience the tangible reality of your glory, your beauty and your majesty? We all need Jesus. Who thinks we all need Jesus? And let's just read this slide together. We all have a place to belong, a part to play, a purpose to fulfill with Christ at the center. Can you stand on your feet with me? I want to send you with a blessing. I love the 2 Corinthians chapter 3. The Bible says through the Apostle Paul that our lives are like the living parchment that God is writing his story on. How many today, and just as we crest into this Christmas week, how many want God to write this epic story of salvation in and through your life? 
How many have family members just by show of hands that need to be hooked into this great story? Come on. <laughs> like every hand is raised. How many want in 2020 to be a year with renewed clarity and conviction you find your place to belong, your part to play, and your purpose to fulfill? Man, all of us. It's an epic year. 2020 is coming. An epic year. So God, I, I, I thank you that you want to write this epic story on us and through us by the Holy Spirit. And right now, I bless your people. I bless your people as a member of this people. For all of those that raised hands, for those who need to know the salvation of Jesus, would you move in power? Would you move with conviction? Would you move with your love right now, Jesus, to those that we love, those of our families and our friends that need to know that there's a place for them in the story? God, I pray that right now someone would be provoked to believe that their story isn't over, that you have a part and a place and a purpose. God, release your blessing over our church. Release your favor. Release that playful spirit that Mary, anything is possible. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't know how, but he's going to do it. And then simultaneously release that tenacious, never give up spirit that Simeon and Anna had. I don't know when, but he promised it and I'm going to see it. So from the youngest to the oldest, Lord, bless our people today. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen.